0: into the sharing of the word. I believe this is an important message, perhaps something of a keynote message as we start off the year. And if you have a means of taking note, I'd encourage you to do so. The title of the message today is Kingdom Influence. Kingdom Influence, Lord, extend your kingdom through me. How does that sound to you? Now, I believe that the Lord has spoken to my heart regarding the theme for the year ahead and it is the theme which I submit to you today of kingdom influence. Would you say that with me? Kingdom influence. One more time, kingdom influence. And the particular message today is, Lord, extend your kingdom through me. And as kind of an introduction, let me say that I believe that God is wanting to bring about increased kingdom influence through this local church. And I believe God is wanting to bring about increased kingdom influence through your individual life. You see, as you give yourself to the purposes of God, it's surprising what God can do through you. And he will do beyond what you're expecting as we give ourselves to his purposes. And so I believe both corporately and individually that this is on God's heart and he wants this to take place in this year and into the future. You see, God is inviting us to partner with him in this incredible plan of extending the kingdom of God, and the question is, how will you live this year? How will you live it? Will it be a year focused on self-preservation and self-interests, or will it be a year focused on God's kingdom plan for your life? We all have decisions to make at the start of this year, how are we going to live it? Are we going to live it for ourselves or are we going to live it according to God's kingdom plan? I would submit to you that God's kingdom plan is the best and the most fulfilling. Sometimes we think our plans will produce more fun. I want to tell you far more deep down fulfillment and fun will come through the plans and the purposes of God. And so today I'm endeavoring to highlight the importance of the kingdom. And have a look at a couple of aspects in God's word about the kingdom. And the reason for doing that is that I believe that it can help us to live with renewed zeal and passion for the kingdom of God and for extending it. You might be sitting here today and you can think back to a time four or five years ago when you were kind of in tune and on sync and you were pursuing the purposes of God and you were pursuing his kingdom being extended through you. And maybe the passion has waned a little bit. I'm gonna talk to you a little bit later today about somebody who showed great passion for the kingdom of God. There are four points that I'd like to share with you. The first one, perhaps I'll spend a tiny bit more time on that one. Number one, way back in Isaiah, we see that God had the kingdom on his mind. Would you say that with me? Way back in Isaiah, we see that God had the kingdom on his mind. Now, even before Isaiah, there are prophetic words and so on, but in particular, I wanna draw your attention to uh, this scripture, but it's usually only associated with Christmas. The scripture for unto us, a child is born, a son is given, you usually always hear that at Christmas, and you might be thinking, well, is this a Christmas service today? No, it's not. But let's read this verse of scripture in a new light because it doesn't only speak about the birth of Jesus. It also refers to his government and his kingdom being established. Please turn with me in your Bibles. It is on the screen, but I think it's good sometimes that you follow it in your own Bible. Uh, And turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and verse six and seven. It's highlighted in my Bible and different things underlined and circled. It's a powerful verse of scripture. And it says there, Isaiah nine, verse six to seven, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But look what it says now. And the government, would you say the government? And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. This is also well known, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And here again in verse 7 of the increase of what? His government. Say it with me His government. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Now take note, his kingdom is capital H. Yes, Jesus in uh, establishing the kingdom of God was born out of the lineage of David, but the kingdom he's establishing is not David's kingdom. It is his kingdom coming out of that lineage. And it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And look at this last phrase. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Wow. Have you noticed those words, the government, his government, and his kingdom in that passage of scripture before I would suggest that many of us actually haven't taken note of those words before, but I find them significant. A few other comments I'd like to make about this verse is that this is Isaiah's prophecy. And Isaiah is prophesying prophesying about the coming Messiah, but this is 700 years before Jesus would be born. And so the theme of kingdom and government was already there. Can you see how strategic God is? Sometimes we think things are very haphazard in our lives. I want to tell you, if your life is yielded to God, God is doing things very strategically. He plans things way in advance, before the foundation of the earth. And here we see that Isaiah is prophesying, and he says, the son is going to be born, and immediately the government. And the government will rest upon his shoulder. And it will be an increase in government and an increase in kingdom. And so God's plan is incredible. And he is still implementing his plan step by step. And I want to say in this year, 2016, God is doing the same thing. He is still implementing the plan of the kingdom of God. And what you and I need to do is we have to allow ourselves Align ourselves to the plan and purposes of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Because he's on a mission and we need to get in line with it. Verse seven refers to his kingdom being established from that time forward. I found that interesting, from that time forward. In other words, it speaks of a future time. But I wonder when is that time? Because it wasn't right then, it was talking about that time. And I may be wrong, and there's many interpretations around the kingdom, but I would submit to you that that time refers to when Jesus would come. Because he began to initiate and set up his kingdom. Also, what I love about this is it says that it will be an increasing government. So it's going to be an increasing government an increasing kingdom. It's quite profound and powerful when you see a government that is just increasing. If you think back to the days of the United Kingdom in its, let's call it its heyday, I mean, they were just going all over the world, colonizing everywhere, and sometimes problems exist still today from some of the colonizing, but let's not go there. But anyhow, so here they go establishing and expanding the kingdom, but it is not... As great as it was way back then, the United Kingdom. But you see, the kingdom of God will never stop increasing. It will never stop expanding. Come on, you can get excited about that. Isn't that wonderful? It is a never, uh, uh, never to stop kingdom. It is an increasing kingdom. What a kingdom! Now, I'd like to show you a picture. Let's just go to the picture on the screen in the next slide. Now. Very interesting picture that I came across as I was preparing. And this has to do with the increasing kingdom, the increasing government. You see, when Daniel interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, King Nebuchadnezzar had the dream of the, the statue or the person, the statue, and it had a head of gold and then different parts of the body and then also feet of iron and clay. But when he was interpreting the dream for the king, Daniel also spoke prophetically of how God would destroy all other kingdoms and he would set up and establish his kingdom. Now, as you're looking at that picture, listen to the powerful verse from Daniel 2, verse 44. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. And that picture of that glorious I don't know what coming out of heaven and smashing that that statue is a picture of this and in those days uh, of those kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall be left to no other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Wow, that is the kingdom that you and I are a part of. What an incredible thing. Now also, just still on this Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, what is the significance of the phrase, the government will be upon his shoulder? What does that mean? Some people thought, well, the cross is going to be on Jesus' shoulder. Some people thought, well, the weight of the world will be on his shoulder. That's not what it means. Firstly, the Hebrew word for government in this verse is misrah, M-I-S-R-A-H, and it means rule and dominion. So in other words, the rule and dominion will be upon his shoulder. But it is said to be upon upon his shoulder because This creates a picture, almost like of a judge or a high-ranking official that receives a key or a scepter that is placed upon their shoulder and this is a symbol of their office. If you were to try to take this into a modern-day context, perhaps you could think of a mayor. And many times mayors of a city, they have what is called a chain of office. And if they dress in their formal garb, they have this chain of office, this big chain that they put around their neck. And what does that show? It shows that they have been given the authority to carry out their duties. That's what it means. It's a symbol of their office or an emblem of their office. Consequently, I wanna say to you that Jesus Christ has been given the authority to rule and to reign. He has been given the authority to perform All of his duties as the king of the kingdom. And good news is that the government, the dominion that is upon his shoulder is never going to change. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. Amen. Point number two, through the ministry of John the Baptist, we see that God had the kingdom on his mind. Let me just tell you a little bit of something on a lighter note right now. Uh, I have a good pastor friend of mine who's down the road who is a Baptist pastor. He's a good Baptist man. Now, he knows I came out of the Baptist roots, but that I'm a, a charismatic or Pentecostal preacher. I don't know what you call me, but anyhow. So, and uh, he's a good Baptist man. Whenever I get around him, I hear the words Baptist union, Baptist union. I haven't heard those things for years. But there's this thing, Baptist, Pentecostal, charismatic, and then sometimes I tease him because we've got a good relationship. I said, you know what, my friend? John was a Baptist. But he said, after me is coming a Pentecostal. (laughs) Some of you are a bit slow to get that one. Anyhow. So here John, the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Jesus, and he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. There's a little selfie of John the Baptist uh, on the screen. So John himself, he was declaring the kingdom message in his preaching, but he was also preparing the way for the king of the kingdom to declare the same message. Look at Matthew chapter three, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So right here, the very first words, as John the Baptist is starting his ministry, the very first words that come out of his mouth are critical. And he declares those words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I remind you, what is on God's mind? The kingdom. Let me say it again. What is on God's mind? The kingdom. And we see right here, clearly, that is the case. Just one or two things of interest for you is that John uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Generally, we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. He uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting that that phrase occurs 32 times in the gospel of Matthew. But it's also interesting that the kingdom of heaven doesn't occur in any other book in the entire Bible. It doesn't occur there. It's just in Matthew's gospel. However, the phrase, the kingdom of God, that is in all four of the gospels and in some of the other New Testament books as well, but it doesn't appear in that direct phrase in the Old Testament. But essentially, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, these can and are used interchangeably. But here we find John the Baptist, can you imagine him way back then in his ministry? And what is he doing? He's calling people out of the kingdom of darkness, and he is calling them into the kingdom of heaven. Now, just imagine this for a moment, because sometimes things in the pages of Scripture seem so distant from us. But can you imagine this man? He must have been a little bit of a strange man because it seems like he had spent most of his time in the deserts. And the Bible says about John the Baptist that he was preaching in the wilderness. So everybody was going out to him in the wilderness. He was dressed in camel's hair. Uh, That's not so in vogue these days. Anybody dressed in camel's hair here today? He had a leather belt around him and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now the wild honey sounds okay to me. But the locust sounds like the ultimate fear factor challenge or survivor challenge. Can you imagine biting those locusts and all of the juice coming out? And here, John is busy preaching. He's got a little grasshopper leg here on his beard. And people are just coming to watch this guy because he's such a a spectacle. But all jokes aside, here he is. He's in the wilderness. And as weird as he looks, he's crying out. He's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thousands are coming out, out of Judea and Samaria and out of the towns and they're coming to look at this man and he's crying out, what a weird man this must look like. He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know what? God's spirit is upon him. People are responding. People are coming and in their thousands getting baptized and they are confessing their sins. You know what? That is a man of passion. I wanna suggest to you that sometimes we don't have enough passion in our lives and we live without enough zeal, without enough passion, but there was a man who got a hold of God's call in his life and said, I'm gonna passionately declare it, even with my little grasshopper leg or whatever it might be. I'm gonna declare the message that God has given me. Wow, the kingdom message must have burned in his heart. It must have resonated in John's heart and it should resonate in our hearts too. Point number three. Certainly, through Jesus' ministry, we see that the kingdom sorry, we see that God had the kingdom on His mind. He came to establish it. Scripture tells us and gives us examples of Jesus declaring the kingdom. Let's look at a few of them on your screen. The first one is Matthew 4, verse 17. And it says, "From that time, which is just after Jesus, he was baptized." Then he had been tempted in the wilderness and from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he preaching about? He was talking about the kingdom. And this is right at the start of his ministry. I wanna tell you folks, the kingdom message is still important today. In Matthew 10, verse seven, it says, Jesus speaking, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom, would you say the words the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so here he was instructing his 12 disciples and he was basically making them understand very clearly. He says, guys, don't be confused about the message. Preach what John preached, preach what I preached and you go out and you declare the message of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I believe today that we should be doing the same thing. Sir, ma'am, I believe that part of your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ is to declare the good news of the kingdom. The good news and the gospel of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Now, quickly turn with me to Luke 17, which is not on your screen. Luke 17, and we're going to look at two verses there. Luke 17, verse... 20 and 21, it says, now when he, that's Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees, this is Luke 17, 22 and 21, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and he said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here, or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Wow. Why not you say to the person next to you, the kingdom of God is within you. And it's also translated as the kingdom of God is in your midst, or the kingdom of God is already among you. You see, the kingdom was present in the person of the king, Jesus who was in their midst and he was revealing the kingdom to them. Let me say this, that God's kingdom has nothing to do with an earthly government of a physical country with geographical boundaries around it. God's kingdom has to do with a spiritual government of Christ over his kingdom. It has no earthly boundaries, but it exists in the hearts of men and women. And just one more verse under this point, John 18, verse 36. I'll just read it to you. It says, Jesus answered and he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So, folks, we need to realize that God is busy establishing a spiritual kingdom. It's not like you can say, there it is, or there it is. He's establishing a spiritual kingdom, but I believe the effects of it you can see in what God does around the world by his spirit and in individual lives. Point number four, still today, God has the kingdom on his mind. He is inviting us to partner with him in extending it. Let me say this. Not only does God have the kingdom on his mind, but I want to tell you, God has tremendous zeal to see it accomplished. Let me prove that to you. In Isaiah 9, 7, when we were reading earlier about establishing the kingdom, it says right at the end, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Question What will ensure that the kingdom will be realized? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. I find this encouraging. Now listen to this. In the New Living Translation, this is what it says about that verse. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make it happen. You see how committed God is to his kingdom? It's a passionate commitment. And in the Living Bible, it says, this is going to happen because the Lord of heaven's armies has dedicated himself to it. And what I see through those scriptures that I've just given, I see that God is passionate about it. And what is going to see that this is going to be happening, that the kingdom is going to, the plan of the kingdom will continue to be fulfilled, and ultimately when Jesus comes again, it will be fully realized. What is going to see it come about? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. The passionate commitment of God. I believe that you and I should have a passionate commitment to the kingdom of God, because it's on his mind. And in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19, it says there, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, I'd like to submit to you that that's kingdom dominion, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. This is known as the Great Commission. And right there is, we, is where we find our invitation from God to partner with, me, with him. He's saying, listen, in all of heaven and earth, I have the authority. I have the kingdom dominion. Now I'm inviting you to go in that authority. Go and make disciples of all the nations. He's inviting you. Sir, ma'am, to extend his kingdom in your life this year. He wants to extend his kingdom to you. I want to ask you this question. Have you dedicated yourself as a believer to extending the kingdom of God? Think about that. Have you dedicated yourself? Is this also a passion as it is with the Lord himself? I want to ask you, how will you live this year? Will you live this year focused on your self-interests, your self-preservation? Will you have that in mind or will you have kingdom interests in mind? I want to tell you the best life you can live is a life sold out to God and his purposes. You know, there's a popular song which says, you are always on my mind, you are always on my mind. But I I think some people sing, I am always on my mind. (laughs) I am always on my mind. But you know what? Shouldn't the king, shouldn't King Jesus be on our minds? Shouldn't the kingdom of God be on our minds? And I would rather be, as I draw to a conclusion, I would rather be singing the song that Dr. Miles Monroe, Monroe wrote, All that I need is your kingdom. All that I need is my King. All that I need is Your righteousness, then I have everything. All that I need is Your Kingdom. All that I need is My King. All that I need is Your righteousness, then I have everything. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word to us today. We hear the passion. We hear the the golden thread that runs through history of what you are busy doing and establishing. And we say, God, let your kingdom come through us. Would you cause a greater kingdom influence to come through this local church and through every church in the city? Would you cause a greater kingdom influence to come through us as individuals? This is our prayer. We love you, Lord. We dedicate our lives to you in Jesus' name. And we all say aloud, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.